Welcome to the Word of Faith Sermon Podcast. Join in with us today, ready to grow in your knowledge of the Bible with practical application for your everyday life. If you're interested in following or learning more, join us on our Facebook page at WOFTX or check out our website at WOFTX.com for location and service times. Now here's our special guest minister with today's message. Praise the Lord. If you have your Bibles this morning, turn, if you will, to uh, two passages, if you'd like. First Peter is where I'm going to begin. First Peter chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 13 through 16 out of the Passions Translation. And then we're going to jump to 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 1 through 2. I'm going to be speaking this morning on some things that God has been speaking to me about um, as he's called us into the ministry as Pastor Hagen had mentioned, in 2000, uh, 2012, we launched Martin Ministries International. And uh, before COVID, we were in Ireland, uh, Africa, uh, Malaysia, just throughout uh, the world, preaching in schools, Bible schools uh, in India. We did some crusades back in the early 2000s. That was before we launched, but anyways. Uh, we had gone out and we had done, uh, we'd been preaching. And so part of what God has instructed us to do is out of Romans chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, and in short, is to impart establish and encourage the body of Christ. And as we've been developing through the years, God has uh, given us some deeper understanding of that by first awakening the spiritual condition through imparting, to restore confidence to the believer through establishing and to, uh, and to, uh, uh, in, in, to send people out, to commission them, to excite them, to, uh, to great exploits, bold acts, daring deeds through uh, encouraging faith. And so that is what we've endeavored to do for the last 12 years and, uh, to, as we've uh, obeyed this commission that God sent us to, to get into the body of Christ and to prepare us for the time and the season that we are living in. Um, I like to say it this way, pastors preach decency, uh, the traveling guy preaches urgency. And so uh, my job in, in, is to bring in an awareness of the time and the season that we're living in to see the value of why you come to church, to see the value of why that you have a personal relationship with your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. When you made Jesus the Lord of your life, it wasn't just so that you could get a ticket and that you can go to heaven one day and go, woof, <laughs> thank God it's over. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 14 that God causes you always to triumph. He's given you the victory in Christ Jesus. And so our job as believers is to take the things that God has given to us, the things that were purchased through the shed blood of Jesus Christ, and not only talk about them, not only use them to, you know, maybe throw at people when they're in a bad situation but to actually cultivate them and to begin to take them as uh, uh, personal possessions that enable you to live a life that is above the approach of the enemy. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. The where, and I'm going to get into this today and, and, and to get us into the mind frame that I'm not in this world just to stand, as my dad would tell me, with my hands in my pocket, my teeth in my mouth. Come on, somebody. But to actually be in a position of activity to be activated, to be a person who is aware of what resides on the inside of them and what has been purchased for you through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. And so this morning, one of the things that God has been talking to me about that I believe is, 
and, and I'll, I'll uh, break this down for us a little bit this morning, is the topic of holiness. The topic of holiness. And so 1 Peter chapter 1, I know that topic's kind of for a lot of us are like, oh, okay, this ought to be rich. <laughs> take notes, it'll bless you, I promise. Because statistically speaking, people that take notes are more likely not to go to hell. So you can write now or burn later. I'm just kidding, it's not true. One way to heaven, folks, Jesus Christ, amen. All right, 1 Peter chapter 1, 13 through 16, the passage translation says, so then prepare your hearts and your minds for action. I love that. Stay alert. Everybody say, stay alert. Stay alert and fix your hope firmly on the marvelous grace, that's very important, that is coming to you. For when Jesus Christ is unveiled, a greater measure of grace will be released to you. As God's obedient children, never again shape your lives by the desires that you followed when you didn't know better. Verse 15, instead, shape your lives to become like the Holy One. Our job, our, our command, this is uh, uh, Peter here, he's instructing us how we are to be living and acting and conducting ourselves right here before the return of Jesus Christ, right before the taking away of the church. He says, shape your lives to become like the Holy One who called you. Verse 16, for Scripture says you are to be holy. You are to be holy because I am holy. One thing I want you to understand about holiness and here that where God says you are to be something, to be holy, God will never command you or tell you to be something without giving you the resources and the ability to live it out. God never expects you in and of yourself. Jesus even said it in the Gospels. In and of myself, I can do nothing. There was a complete adherence, a dependency on God for everything that he did. He was not a rogue agent. He was not cast to earth just to see what he could do. He was a man that was filled with the Holy Spirit that was dependent upon the voice of God and the presence of God to bring about the reality of that kingdom here on earth. So you and I are to mimic that. We are to take that into consideration. When God says be something, to be holy, he is saying I'm asking you to be something that I've adequately empowered you to be. He's saying to you, be like me. Be holy for I am holy. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 1 through 2 says this. And the New King James, Paul called to be an apostle or a sent one of Jesus Christ through the will of God and Sothenius. I practiced that name. I, kinda, I probably butchered it. All the English teachers are like, don't give up your day job. All right, here we go. <laughs> Our brother to be to be the church. It's the word ecclesia. I like this. Called to assemble. In the Greek culture, it meant to assemble an army. 
If there is a time right now the devil is attacking the church, it is to bring diversity or, or to, to uh, get us to disperse, to, to, to separate. Why? Because there's something about the ecclesia, the church. It's not the building. It's the calling of an assembly. It's the assembling of an army to do battle. Ooh, man, I don't know about you. That gets me excited. To assemble an army uh, 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 to the church of God, which is at Corinth. I put a blank there. Which is at the church, which is at Joaquim, Texas. To those who are, watch this, sanctified, which means to be set apart, made holy. How? In Christ Jesus. You are made holy. The Bible talks about three things that you're made that I can think of right off the top of my head. Number one is that you're made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There were small wars and battles of churches that were refused to accept the reality that I have been made righteous simply because of a scripture that says there are no, no not righteous, no, not one. And everybody's like, that's right, brother, amen. No one's righteous. Yet the Bible tells us that Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin or became that which separated you from God, that you might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There it is again. You're righteous. How? In the anointing of the anointed one, that yoke-destroying, burden-removing power of God that, that breaks the stronghold of the enemy, that alienation of the sin nature and places you back in proximity to a divine relationship with God Almighty. You've been made righteous. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians, I believe it is, uh, chapter 8, that you that he became poor, that through his poverty you might be made rich. Rich is not a dollar amount. Rich is the, is the adequate supply of nothing missing and nothing lacking. That God is the source of my supply. And then we find it here that God says that you are and have been made holy. When you get a revelation of holiness, it'll radically revolutionize your mentality of your life, your calling, no matter what your career is, that you have been made one with him. How? In Christ Jesus. You've been called, it continues to go in 1 Corinthians 1, you've been called. That word called, I just want to say this real quick, a better way of translating that would be an invitation. When the Bible talks about someone being called to something, it's an invitation into the position, the plan, and the purpose that God has for your life. I have a call upon my life to minister the word of God. There was an invitation for me to accept the call. You may have a call in your life to be a business person or a, a homekeeper. You may be a, I, I mean, the list goes on, a lawyer, a teacher that, you know, any career, an entrepreneur, whatever the call is, is an invitation for you to step into the divine purpose of God for your life to bring radical change in an area of influence for the kingdom of God. Amen. I couldn't be a business person if I tried. I just, you know, it's just not going to work for me. I pay someone to do my books because I try to do it myself and I got in big trouble. 
One time the CPA called this fun story, called us, said, hey, I need all your QuickBook records. Well, we were doing the hardware, not the online. And so we, she said, so how do we get this? She said, just get a thumb drive, pull it onto that and take it and bring it to us. We said, we can do that. So we got the thumb drive and somehow deleted two years of the bookkeeping. Praise God, we're small. We just had to take a couple days and go back and find all of our receipts and all of our bills and re-put everything back in there. And so after a couple of those moments, you're like, you know what? If you can't cook, keep out of the kitchen. You know what I'm saying? Here you go. You can do it. But when there's a call in your life, when there's something that God's called you into, it's an invitation into the plan and the purpose of God. And God has called the church to be saints or holy ones with all who are in every place that call upon the name of Jesus Christ our Lord, both theirs and ours. It's going to seem as if I'm going to digress, but I'm not. I want to bring us up to speed as we set the stage for what I want to get us to see about these scriptures about being called to be holy, to be holy as God is holy. Some would say that the world is falling apart right now. We look at everything that's going on and we'd say, man, things are just going to hell in the handbasket. But I would say to you that the world is falling into position. It is exactly, uh, uh, we're seeing laid out right before us everything that God has predicted in his word. I wrote down a few things and these are just very broad strokes of some things that you see on the news, but just to bring our attention to them, we must have an understanding of our time and our season. First Thessalonians chapter five, verses one through three really gives you an understanding of that. There's an increase of disease backed by the pharmaceutical companies. The LGBTQ plus, if I got that right, with focus on the attack of our children. Washington State, I don't know if it's been passed yet or not, had a bill that had gone through several steps of their government where if a children, if a child uh, identifies as a transgender or is in that mind frame, that there's places that they can go to get the next step, the next pill, the next uh, surgery without the consent or the approval of the parent. If you don't think that the devil is not attacking our children, sometimes because we live in Texas, there's a little bit more of a a conservative mindset. But I'm telling you, the devil is attacking mankind. The Middle East nations that that are foretold in Ezekiel 38 are aligning perfectly. There are treaties and things that are taking place right now with Iraq and Iran that in a million years no one ever would have thought that they would have shaken hands and agreed on anything, and yet we're seeing that unfold right now. The CBDC, or Central Bank of Digital Currency, is in place and is being strategically set up for a complete one-world government where you no longer have a currency, but all currency will be digitalized. And the thing we used to preach about in the 80s about getting a mark on your hand or your forehead that everybody's like, ooh, that'd be weird, is actually a reality and is actually being taken place today. We have things like the Restriction Act to control all circulation of data and information so to 
keep the, the narrative of what is wanting to be heard and understand uh, uh, can be controlled. The Lord said to me sometimes back, he said, Dustin, truth is under its greatest attack than, than ever has been before. Truth. Why is truth under attack? Why would the devil want to bring a restriction or a, 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 a deception to the reality of truth? Why would he attack the word of God? Because we understand, we know that the Bible says when you know the, the truth, the truth does what? Come on. It sets you free. What is happening right now? There is not only spiritually but physically in our nation and in our world, there is a restriction, there's an attack on liberty. Everything the Bible says that Jesus came to set you free. The devil comes to oppress you, to bind you, to hold you captive. He's never changed. He's still doing what he's come to do, which is to still kill and destroy. All this and more is not conspiracy theory or prophecy of old, but is actually fulfilled scripture. Ezekiel chapter 12 and verse 23, if you read that, it gives you some insight into that thought. But 2020 was the threshold, listen to this, of the demonic campaign against mankind. I really, really believe that because 2020, the number 20 uh, biblically means a new beginnings, a new era, the ending of something and the beginning of something new. And I believe 2020 was a, a physical representation of a demonic warfare that was released and that was set into action. It was the threshold of us stepping over into a new era where the demonic realm is in full force. It is a demonic campaign against mankind to usher in the full-on antichrist takeover the devil is in full stride to accomplish his will. The Bible calls this campaign darkness. It's not to scare us. It's not to, uh, you know, we don't get you know, dehydrated milk and, and, and refried beans or something and go hide in a cave somewhere. But it is to bring us to an awareness of the time and season that we're in that it is time for the church to arise. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 2. In the King, New King James, it says, Arise and shine, for your light has come. I like this in the Message Bible. It says, Get out of bed. Come on, somebody. Get out of bed, Jerusalem. I put, get out of bed, church. Wake up, put your face in the sunlight. God's bright glory has risen, I like this, for you. God's bright glory has risen for you. The Bible says in Romans 3.23 that all have sinned and fallen short. You've fallen from something. You fell from the glory of God. If you studied out, Adam and Eve in the garden were clothed with the, the actual presence of God, the glory of God. They didn't, they didn't know they were naked. Why? Because their clothing was light. 
radiating the, the, just the, the magnificence, the glory of God. When we sinned, when Adam sinned and the sin nature came into mankind, the Bible tells us that we fell from that glory. We fell from that position. What is the glory of God? The glory of God is God's full weight of his presence. I'm jumping ahead of myself. I'll probably reread this. But it is the full weight of God's presence. It is God's favorable opinion towards you. God is not evaluating you. God is not, he's not mad at you. He's not trying to find the thing that's wrong with you. The Bible says he put all of that judgment, all of that criticism, if you would say it that way, upon Jesus when he hung upon the cross. The Bible says that we've been raised together with Christ, made to sit with him in heavenly places. Can I tell you this? According to Isaiah chapter 60, the glory is back. Woo, that's good preaching. <laughs> I've never said it like that before. The glory is back. The full weight of God's presence is no longer something that hides behind the holy of holies, but is now that thing that becomes uh, uh, the, that you become the carrier of that presence. You become the house, the temple of the most living God. The weight of who he is, the glory, his favor, his opinion of you is nothing but righteousness and holiness and peace. This is why when you get a revelation of your holiness, when you do something, you mess up because we all mess up. We don't run like Adam did in the Garden of Eden because of ignorance from God and hide. We run to God. Why? Because the, the, re, re, the, the forgiveness, the redemption, the thing that we need to get us back into position is in his arms. It's not hiding behind the bush. So we're to wake up to put God's bright glory has risen for you. Verse two, the whole earth, listen to this, is wrapped in darkness and all people have sunk in deep darkness. I'm telling you, we're seeing this right now. But God rises on you. I love that. Think about this. This is people before Jesus came. Isaiah's prophesying this. This is where the only people that got to go into the Holy of Holies, the actual presence of God, was the high priest. The closest you got, as just a commoner, if I could say that was, was to bring a goat or a lamb, have the priest cut his throat, spill the blood, so he could take that blood and sprinkle it on the mercy seat for you and your family so that you could be forgiven for another year. So now we're talking about that presence, that weightiness, the Yahweh, the almighty God that is behind the veil that was four to six inches thick, that the Bible tells us was ripped from top to bottom. Why? Because God says, I'm no longer going to be held back. I'm not going to be kept in this captivity of this small chamber, but rather I'm coming out and I'm going to get inside and live on the inside of each and every one of you. Why? Because church, this is what we're called to do is to go out into the byways and the highways and not try to do things in and of ourselves, but rather to, uh, to break the barriers of darkness and say, because of the almighty God that lives on the inside of me, I'm here to bring change. But that takes mind renewal because most of us, we feel inadequate. 
We feel underwhelmed. We feel uh, or overwhelmed. We, we have these, uh, I'm just not good enough, these insecurities. Man, that's good for a pastor. That's good for the evangelist. That's good for that guy I see on YouTube and on the television. I mean, man, ooh, they know how to say it. And they know how to do it. They glow in the dark and they float. But man, I'm just down here trying to catch a fish. That was a joke, by the way. Have y'all ever seen someone glow? Guys, go ahead and turn off the lights real quick. No, I'm just kidding. Here we go. All right. It'd be a lot cooler if you did. All right, here we go. But I want to show you this. <laughs> I want to show you this, that it's uh, uh, the footprint of darkness. The Bible talks about that the, the world is wrapped in darkness. All people are sunk in deep darkness. Let me finish it. But God rises on you. His sunrise glory breaks over you. Mm-mm-mm. I don't know what's, what, what may be going on in your life right now. The lies the devil may be trying to, to tell you. But I'm preaching to myself and I'll preach to you this morning. The greatest thing that you can do. Sorry. When the devil brings his oppression, his darkness into your life. Is to open your mouth. And speak the praises of God. You may not understand what's going on. You may not understand all the ins and the outs. But you'll not solve the issue in here. It will not go away by you trying to wrap your intellect around the situation. God said it to me this way, Dustin, when life goes down, hands go up. What do you do? You go back to what you know. The Bible says the entrance of God's word gives light. When darkness is suppressing, when darkness is attacking, when darkness does everything it can to stop you, what do you do? You have to get the word of God. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm preaching to myself here this morning. You're going to have to pick yourself up by the bootstrap because it won't feel good. It's not going to feel right. You're not going to want to do it. But if you don't open this up and crack the word of God, if you don't begin to declare the promises of God and release light, you'll be dominated by the forces of darkness what are the footprints of darkness number one I think I've preached this here before so I'm not getting into them real deep but I just want to I love these God gave this to me because it really helps you to see how the devil uh, brings uh, uh, the ultimate goal of destruction into your life the footprint of darkness number one is distraction Write these down, I'm telling you. Distraction. If you could write now, what is distracting you from the things of God? The Bible says in Hebrews 12, 2, looking away from all that distracts, in the Amplified Bible, looking away from all that distracts unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of your faith. If the devil can get your eyes off of Jesus and can get your eyes on the problem, the storm, the situation, the, the, the noise, the chaos, if he can distract you, uh, uh, he can't, I like to say this, he can't defeat you, but he can distract you. Number one, distract, he'll, he'll bring distraction into your life. Number two, if I can distract you and get your eyes off of Jesus, who is the word of God, then I can bring uh, deception into your life. You can begin to be deceived. The problem with deception is deceiving. There's probably, all of us in here probably have something that we believe to be true that isn't true. 
You'll, you'll, you'll fight over it. You know, oh, bless God. And then if we really got down, you'd be like, I'm sorry to tell you, bro, but you're wrong. <laughs> man, I really thought that, man. I heard that on the radio. I thought for sure that was. Come on. Distraction brings deception. Watch this. Deception brings division. The Bible says a house divided, whether it's LSU or Razorback or whatever, you know, no, I'm just kidding. A house divided cannot stand. In other words, if I can bring a, a distraction, then deception, then there will become division. In other words, I can begin to bring a, 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 I can crack and begin to destroy the very foundation that your life is built on. And if I can bring division, ultimately, and lastly, is destruction. The devil's ultimate goal is to bring destruction into your life. First John chapter one and verse five, the latter part of the verse says that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. James chapter one, I believe it is, 17, 18 says that in him there is no variation or shadow of turning. There is no darkness in God at all. First John chapter 4, 17, the latter part of the verse, we, we quote these, we throw them around. But when you get them in context to what is, what is being said, it really brings some understanding that says, because as he is, so are we in this world. If he's light, then you're called to be light. And here's the thing I want you to see this morning is simply this, that when there is, a, there is a battle between light and dark, there is no negotiation. This room can be completely dense with darkness, and the moment you flip the switch, there is no negotiation. The darkness has to leave, which shows you there is no power in the deception. There is no reality in the darkness. It's nothing more than to get you to step aside and to leave the destiny that God has purchased for you 2,000 years ago. As he is, who is he? He is light. And as he is, as he is light, we are called to be light in this lost and hurting world. Church, we are not the problem. We are the solution. I wish I, I brought my notebook. The Lord gave me a word about how the, the harassment of the church is going to increase as we move forward throughout the next few years. And it will be politically justified because of the agenda that is trying to be accomplished. But I'm here today to tell you, we're not the problem, we're the solution. We're the ones that God has have empowered and sent out for the sole purpose of bringing people into the kingdom of God. Why? Because 1 Peter 3, 9 says that God is not willing that what? Anyone should perish. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. Why would a good God send somebody to hell? He doesn't. He doesn't want anyone going to hell. Get that out of your mind. It's, it's, I don't care how they twist it, how they explain it to you. God's not sending anyone to hell. That's, right. That's why you and I have a great job description. Yeah. Come on. 
of letting people know, hey, guess what? God loves you. He has a plan for you. And all you have to do is simply call upon the name of the Lord and you will be saved. The moment that you do that, the darkness that is trying to saturate them is expelled. It is removed. Why? Because there is no negotiation between light and dark. The devil wants to get you to think and delude yourself thinking that there's nothing valuable about me. There's nothing good. I'm just taking up space. I'm just living life. Here we go. Back to the job again. Listen, you may not love your job, but if you'll turn that, that mindset into, I'm not going there to get a paycheck. I'm going there because God's opened a door of opportunity for light to expel darkness. Change the whole reason that you show up. It's not to get the two-week paycheck anymore. God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory as long as you're obedient to his voice. I'm a testimony to that. I'm here. I showed up today. Yeah, I'm going to get paid. I'm clocking in. I'm doing my eight hours or 16, 20, whatever it is that you do. I'm here, but I'm also in the back of my mind. I'm being led by the Holy Ghost. God, why am I here today? Who needs prayer? How can I encourage Bob? Susan needs some Hey, We need to pray for her. Her son's going through. Come on, somebody. God's looking for you to be a light in the dark place. So why do I say these things with four minutes and 24 seconds left? Here we go. Why do I say these things? Because God is calling his church, his body, to assemble, to get into position. We are the pushback, the restraining force that resists steadfast in faith, in faith against darkness. We are to take the posture and the position of those that do not draw back, but through intimacy of God's word and of his spirit are able to walk and live in God's standard. Intimacy with God's word. I want to say this to you. That's not secondhand word. If you go back and read about the Israelites, they, Moses was so pumped about introducing them to God. I was supposed to preach about this, and I doubt I'll get there, but he has that burning bush experience. He met God. He's commissioned by God to go and get the Israelites out of Egypt and take them to the promised land. And he's so, he gets them out of Egypt finally. He's like, woo, we get to, I'm telling you, we get to go get, meet God. And God, think about this. He descends upon the mountain. There's lightning, there's fire, there's smoke. I think God was just showing off a little bit. He's just like, what's up? I'm here. I can't, I, I want to hold you so bad. I can't. Oh. But I can, I can do some fire and some light show for you. I mean, I'll do my best. I'm going to do my best. I just can't wait to see you. And the children of Israel say to Moses, you go talk to God. And you come back and you tell us what he has to say. And I think too many people in the body of Christ put the responsibility of an intimate working relationship with God either on their pastor or on somebody else that says, you go spend time with God. I'm too busy. And come back and tell me what he has to say. It's secondhand information. You know why you take notes at church? You know why you listen? Because you take what God has spoke to pastor, you take what God's spoken to the minister, you go home, you get in your closet or you know, your Bible study place, And you go, God, talk to me. Here's what pastor was saying here this morning. And I don't want you to, 
I want you to shed light on this for me because I don't want it to be his revelation. I want it to be my revelation. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 18 in the Message Bible, if people cannot see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But the Bible says if they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. So my question this morning is, God's revealing, are you attending? God's talking all the time, either by his word or by his spirit. God talks the same way he writes. You want to turn up the volume on God's voice in your life? Get in the book. There's that minister, uh, Pastor Sam uh, Carr at Third Shreveport used to have it when I was on staff up there. Dick Mills. Anybody know Dick Mills? Old gentleman, he's gone on to be with the Lord now, but he, would, he was a big advocate. He knew 77 Hundred promises of God's word. He would quote them over people. And that was one of his lines all the time. He said, get in the book. Turn your name. Get in the book. Because we're not looking for secondhand information. Y'all ever played the game where you sit in a circle? Someone gets a, conver- you know, a statement, tell it to your neighbor in their ear, and then they got, by the time it gets back around to start off with, I like swimming. You get all the way around. It's like monkeys eat bananas. You're like, how did we get there? I don't know. I think a lot of our trouble sometimes is just that, where you have second-hand information that gets twisted, gets diluted, it gets compromised. But if you'll go straight to the source, oh, amen. Woo, come on, somebody. There's nothing that's, that's holding you back. There's nothing that's keeping you from the presence of God. You can come in boldly. Yeah. Amen. Woo, come on, Jesus, I'm here. I need you. Talk to me. And when God speaks to you, there's permanency to what he has to say. And when he drops his word into your heart, it changes everything. It changes everything. We are to get into position. We are the pushback. We are to take the posture into position of those that don't draw back, but through intimacy of God's word and his spirit are able to live in, in God's standard. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 19 in the New King James Verse. Y'all have heard this before. I love this verse. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. We are that standard. When the enemy comes in to steal, kill, and destroy like a flood. How many ever had the devil come in like a flood? It was like, dear Lord, who left the back door open? I mean, I'm done. I can't, done, thank you. It's a flood. What happens? God lifts up a standard. You and I are the standard. We are the ones that he empowers. He is the one that he anoints. He's the one that he fills with his spirit that stands up and says, you will not pass. I can't help but say that and think of that movie, uh, Lord of the Rings. Y'all remember I forget everybody's name. He has the big beard. He's standing there on the bridge. Yo, come on. Gandalf, she knows him. There we go. The big demon guy's on the bridge. He's got, he's like, got a whip. He's just, everybody's like, oh, they're just tripping out. And he takes his rod. He's like, you will. Can y'all see it right now? That's epic. Y'all are going to go home right now and just look it up on YouTube. I want that one scene. You will not pass. And he, I mean, it just, the demon falls. I think sometimes that's all we got to do is just stand up, get a little backbone, knowing who we are in Christ. 
what God has done, what he's called us to, and just let the enemy know there is no negotiation with you. There is no compromise with darkness. I, I am as he is, and I'm laying down the line in the sand, if you will, that says you do not have the right in my finances. You do not have a right in my body. You do not have a right in my family. You're not going to have control over my mind or my emotions. I will not be uh, attacked or, or, or tormented by anxiety and fear. Come on, somebody. I'm saying today there is a line in the sand you will not pass. The glory of God, and let me skip that real quick. I want to say this real quick. And, well, let me, I'll read it because it'll make sense and I'll be done. <clears throat> the glory of God, the anointing of the Spirit, is God's full fellowship with you. It is, a for, it, it is from this level that we are to live our lives full of God's favorable opinion and the full weight of his presence. This is it. Watch this. Power is secondary. Presence is primary. Where do I get that from? Acts chapter 1 verse 8 in the King James says, but you shall receive power after that. After that. Power is secondary. Listen to me. What I want you to see is that the, 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 the presence of God is primary. God said to me this way. He said, Dustin, uh, my presence is no longer just a luxury. It's a priority. We have to get to the place where the presence of God is not something that's kept in the church. It's not something that's kept over there or that, you know, pastor does or the minister does. It's something the presence of God is in me and on me. That is what the glory of God is, is the full weight of God's present, his person. Uh, Moses said in Exodus 33, he said, God, if you don't come with me, I don't want to go. And God says, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. It is, the, it is the understanding and the requirement of God's presence. I guess this is a two-parter. Sorry, guys. I got nothing on holiness. I wanted you to see all of that that put you in. Let me just, let me just, can I, can I take one, can I just one more thing? Y'all with me? I promise, we're not gonna hold you. Exodus chapter three, Exodus chapter three. Let me just give this to you so you get it, okay? Otherwise, it'll be like, change the title of your message, Justin, because you said nothing about holiness, okay? <clears throat> Exodus chapter three. Y'all are so easy to preach to. We just had fun this morning. Uh, Exodus chapter three, I'm gonna summarize for you, is about Moses. He goes to the burning bush. On the way here is when I saw a church called the burning bush. I was like, look at there. That'd be fun. Stop in there and preach for a little bit. Exodus chapter three. This is Moses. Take the sheep to the backside of the desert. And he has this encounter with God. And it says in verse two, in, the, in uh, Exodus three, verse two, and the, Lord, uh, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire. Very important. Go through the scriptures talking about flame of fire. It's Jesus. From the midst of the bush. So he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. The fire of God, the holiness of God doesn't consume, it purifies. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the burst, 
the bush does not burn. Verse 4, so when the Lord saw that he turned aside or he departed his normal course of action to look, God called to him in the, uh, from the midst of the bush and said, Moses. And he said, here am I. Verse 5, then he said, do not draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet for the place where you stand is holy ground or holy dirt. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. My question I want you guys to hear, the place you stand is holy ground. The ground, the dirt itself was not holy. I want you to see that. It was not holy, but became holy because God had come near to it and occupied it. That was, for, that was worth you coming this morning. Why was the dirt holy? There was nothing significant about that dirt. Moses had brought the sheep by that bush probably a thousand times. What was special about today? What made that dirt change in that moment? What made it holy to where he said, Moses, don't, hey, 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 hold up, hold up. Don't come near. Why? Because the dirt is holy. The dirt became holy because God had come near to it and occupied it. It was the actual glory of God, the presence of God that had descended upon that bush that caused it to be holy. Amen. God told Moses to remove, uh, <clears throat> he occupied it. Ephesians chapter one, verse four. Man, I'm rushing. I'm sorry, God. This is I need to stop. Verse four says, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be what? Be holy and without blame before him in love. Why are you holy? Oh, brother, I'm not holy. Whoa, I ain't no saint. You ever heard someone say that before? I ain't no saint, bro. You know, I kicked a dog last night and let one fly. I'll just be honest with you. I got a little mad. <laughs> I ain't no saint. But when you understand what made the dirt holy, that God come to Aaron occupied it, that you've been chosen in Christ to be holy, you go on to see that God told Moses to remove his shoes. Why? Because shoes represent the means of intercourse with the world, the age through which the flesh does its will and moves about to accomplish its work. In standing upon holy ground, all of self must be put off. Are y'all with me? All of self must put off. So every time the devil comes and tries to tell you that God's presence isn't resting upon you, that you're not holy because of something you did, what he's saying, put your shoes back on because the only way you're going to approach God is in self-effort. And God told me, he said, Dustin, the thing that wars against the will of God is self-effort. You take off your shoes. Why? Because we become barefooted priests. In 1 Peter chapter 4, I believe it is, uh, that we are, uh, we're a holy nation, a chosen priesthood. We become barefooted priests that we walk before God, not in and of ourselves, but everything that was accomplished through Jesus Christ. Ephesians 4, that you put off concerning your former conduct, the old man which grows corrupt according to deceitful lust and desires. Ephesians 4, 24 says, and that you put on the new man. Who's the new man? Holiness, righteousness, 
which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Holiness is not merely our actions as religion would teach, although when realized, it produces actions. Holiness is what we absorb and manifest as we live our lives in and from God's presence. Living your lives fully aware of the glory of God, the presence of God on your life. It takes mind renewal. It takes acknowledging him. Proverbs 4 says, in all your ways, I'm sorry, that's Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. All your ways acknowledge him. I try to do this. I haven't been doing real good at it lately as I'm saying this to you right now, but it's getting up every day going, God, I acknowledge you. There's something about when you don't acknowledge the people around you that's kind of like, why am I even here? You, if you walk in, you're like, hey, what's up? And they just ignore you. You're like, okay, maybe something's going on here, you know, like, oh. And I feel like sometimes that's what we do with God. God's like, hey, I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I stick closer than a brother. I'm right here. And we're like, God, I love to hang out and talk, but I'm so busy. It's getting up every morning and saying, God, it is in you that I live, move, and have my existence and my being. I acknowledge you today. I need your help, your guidance. I need your wisdom, your counsel. I need everything that you have, and I'm dependent upon you. That simple statement released out of your mouth brings an awareness of the presence of God on you that as you leave in that morning, it'll change the way that you speak, act, and accomplish your day. I want to thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed today's podcast. And if you would like to help us increase our outreach, please like, share, and subscribe to our channel so that we can bring the word of God to friends and family near you. Don't forget you can check out our location, other podcasts and service times, on our website at woftx.com. If you're in the East Texas area, we'd love for you to stop by and join in for one of our services. We're glad you chose our podcast. Be blessed. We'll see you next time.